you know what that sound means, it's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. Land. This is your host, Jim and Joe, of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. On tonight's episode, we're going to talk a little Atlanta Hawks basketball and the NBA trade deadline. And for those of you that are unaware, the NBA trade deadline was this afternoon at 3 o'clock p.m. There was one major trade in the NBA, so we're going to talk about that and the Atlanta Hawks. And we're also going to be talking some Super Bowl as the as it is Super Bowl Sunday this Sunday with the Cincinnati Bengals against the LA Rams. And we'll be talking to a guy who is a huge Bengals fan who's actually talked about the Bengals before. So we'll be connecting with our guest of the week via the Fan Brawl Seasons fan line here in a little bit. So a little basketball, a little football on deck for you guys tonight. But before we get into the hoops and Super Sunday convo, it's time to get a word from our Sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original oak smoke barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. And so to get things going, guys, we're going to talk a little Atlanta Hawks in the NBA. And so the big trade in the NBA today is this. And it's the Eastern Conference just got a little bit tougher for our Atlanta Hawks. And the big trade was James Harden is now going to Philadelphia. And he's being traded for Ben Simmons, the heavily scrutinized former number one overall pick of the Philadelphia 76ers, who's going to the Brooklyn Nets. So Harden was with Brooklyn. He's now going to Philly. And along with Ben Simmons, Brooklyn gets Seth Curry, who's a sharpshooter, and Andre Drummond, who's a beast down low inside, who'll give Brooklyn a big body that they can be physical with. Another piece that's going with James Harden is former Atlanta Hawk Paul Millsap. We know what Paul Millsap is here, just from watching his days in Atlanta. He's a steady Eddie guy. He's going to score and and I think he can be an interesting piece for the Sixers. He could really help them out. As far as James Harden, I'm a little... I, I don't know how that's going to work. Granted, I'm not a Philadelphia 76ers fan. But I did talk to one of my guys who is a big Philadelphia 76ers fan. My guy, Dan McGowan. And he was not excited about James Harden coming to Philly. But as we say, that is a Philly problem. So how does this all impact our Atlanta Hawks? So the Hawks stood pat at the trade deadline. Which, which tells me that Schlink, A, really likes this group. Group, and B, he really believes in this group. As a Hawks fan, that makes me feel good because you know what, Travis, and fan for all season fans, I like this group too. I like this group a lot. And I think these next four games are huge for us as we march towards the All-Star break. And these four games include the Spurs at State Farm tomorrow night, at the Celtics on Sunday, Cleveland at home on Tuesday, the 15th, then at the Magic. And I would say if the Hawks can go three out of four in that stretch, I feel really good about it. I think the only game that's going to be tough is Cleveland. I mean, you just think about the resurgence the Cavaliers have had with Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and uh, Evan Mobley, the kid, the kid out of Southern Cal. Like, Cleveland's a really good team, so the Hawks are going to have their hands full with the Cavaliers. But all the other games that I mentioned, Boston, Spurs, and also the Magic, the Hawks should really take care of business. One of the big keys in taking care of business, in my eyes, is you have to keep John Collins a focal point of this. You just have to. I mean, over his most recent stretch of games, I mean, other than the game 
with the Raptors at State Farm on January 31st. We've seen John Collins really blossom, and a lot of that, I think, is simply due to touches and being a focal point in the offense. I mean, whether it's him stretching out and shooting threes, or whether he's getting, whether they're running the 1-4 pick and pick and roll, or as I like to call it, La Buena, when he and Trey are running running that, or, or however John's getting buckets. I mean, what we know about John Collins, John Collins is a really talented scorer, and to me, and especially in the Dallas game last Sunday, when you're facing guys that are a lot shorter than you in Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith, the Hawks should have should have feasted last Sunday. And as Nate McMillan said in his postgame comments, that they did a poor job of getting away from featuring John and Clint Capella. In my eyes, guys, you, you have to play through John Collins and let everything else fall where it may. I mean, I mean, whether it's around the basket, whether he's stepping out, hitting shots on the perimeter or whatever he's doing. John Collins, as I, as I said earlier, is a really dynamic scorer and a really talented guy. And so if you play through JC, good things happen. In my eyes, guys, Collins is the heart and soul of the Atlanta Hawks. I know Trey, I know Trey is our superstar and the guy that serves the drink and everything, but the heart and the soul of this team is John Collins. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And another couple guys that I want to see get going in particular, one in particular, and that is DeAndre Hunter. And I love what DeAndre gives you defensively. He's our ace in the hole as far as guarding and as far as being our best perimeter, perimeter defender, whether he's guarding guys on the perimeter, whether he's guarding bigs at the four spot. I mean, Hunter can pretty much guard one through four. He's a really talented defender, but I'd like to see him get more involved in the offense. You know, whether he's going downhill, attacking the rim, getting buckets, or whether it's him just making jump shots, you know, either inside the ring or from three. You you have to get a little bit more punch from DeAndre offensively. And I look for the Hawks to get Collins more involved in the offense, and same with DeAndre Hunter. If you get those two involved, then that makes things easier for, for Trey, and for Kevin, and for Bogey, and for Gallo, and all the other scores we have because the Hawks have a ton of great shooters like a ton of great shooters but you have to get Hunter and Collins going and primarily when Trey and John are in sync and when they're when they're running that and they're running the 1-4 lob when they go into lob away in a mode like like that is just a thing of beauty to watch it really is and you know you know as I've said you have to find a way to feature John Collins offensively for the Hawks and I think that'll do the Hawks some good it really will and so as I said this upcoming stretch of the Hawks right before the all-star break you, you look at this weekend and you've got the Spurs at home on Friday I think that's a really winnable game for the Hawks and really not much to say with the Spurs I mean Popovich is still kicking and they've got Javante Murray who, who is a talented guard and who played the Hawks tough in San Antonio earlier in the year and then with Boston on Sunday I mean you know what you get with them you get Jason Tatum who is a really talented, dynamic scorer in his own right. And he always seems to play the Hawks tough. And so the Hawks are going to have their hands full between the Spurs and the Celtics this weekend. I will say the one thing I do like about it, guys, is I like 2 o'clock tip-off. And so if you're a Hawks man like me, you get a chance to watch basketball in the afternoon. And then you, and then after the Hawks game, kind of chill a little bit, you know, start your tailgate. For Super Bowl Sunday, kicking off at 6.30. So you get the best of both worlds, guys. You get a little basketball in the afternoon. You get a little football in the evening and the night. It should be a really, really great weekend of sports. So that's going to do it for our Atlanta Hawks NBA part of the show. And so now we're going to connect via the Fan for All Seasons fan line here in one second and talk some Super Bowl and some Cincinnati Bengals with our guest of the week. And Fan for All Seasons fans, we're back. We've connected via the Fan for All Seasons fan line with our guest of the week who 
is a guy who has been on this podcast before. He is arguably the biggest Cincinnati Bengal fan in the state of Georgia. He's also a huge Mississippi State fan and alum. And Jason, before we get things going here, and for those of you that don't know, our guest of the week this week is Jason Koberger, diehard Bengal fan and Mississippi State alum. So this has the chance to be a pretty special year for you. You got Mississippi State winning the World Series in college baseball. Then you got the Bengals this close to winning the Super Bowl on Sunday. I mean, as a fan of both, I want to get your thoughts. How are you feeling? Yeah, dude. I'm. Thank, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, again, and I, I tell you what, I'm. I'm on a. I'm on a high. You know, this has been quite a couple of years for me. You know, you didn't mention it, but I'm a Dodgers fan too. And I know the, the Braves got the best of us last year, but the but but the year before, you know, the Dodgers got that world's first World Series since 1988. So if you combine that with the Mississippi State College World Series last year, and now the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, and 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 I really you know, have a real good chance of winning that thing. I, I am on an extreme high. This has been an awesome couple of years for me. No doubt yeah, so about it, it. It's thrilling. And hey, I, I feel you on the whole championship vibe and on a high thing. I'm staring at my national championship Georgia Bulldog pennant and my World Series Atlanta Braves there you pennant go. as well. That's right. So I'm I'm, lo- I'm loving the championships, man. I and yes, I can, and I can, I don't know about you, but I could just bathe in these championships. I, I I love it. I love it. And and I also know this too that if the Bengals are able to get this done, I cannot imagine how much gear and Super Bowl stuff you're going to get. You're probably just going to go absolutely crazy. Yeah, man. So, like, when they won the when they won the conference championship, you know, the next day I'm, I'm on a conference call at work, and, and one, one of the guys says, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm pretty good. He said, what do you mean you're pretty good? Your team's in the Super Bowl. I said, hey, hey, look, we got one more win. We got one more win before we can start celebrating. I, I feel you. I feel you. And I will say, Jason, what stands out to me j- just from that answer and from that story you told me, it's all business with you. It is all business with your Bengals. And so now we're going to get into a little conversation about your beloved Bengals. The first topic I'd like to get in with you is this. The Bengals have had an incredible year thus far. And so being a diehard Bengal fan, I just want to get your thoughts on what were your expectations for this team going into the year? Yeah, so so there are, as you know, any sports fan knows, there are hope and there are expectations. Every every diehard fan hope and, and, and probably says that their team will be in the Super Bowl that year. You know, but but really, you didn't ask me about my hope. So I'd be lying to you if I said I expected the Bengals to be in the Super Bowl this year. You know, after after winning two games two years ago and then four games last year, uh, I, I thought maybe we could muster seven wins. Nope, no playoffs. You know, maybe a low team draft pick, uh, low team draft pick next year. Uh, but I wasn't too far off on the win total. You know, seven to ten. But but what a difference a few more wins can make. You know, just getting the, into the playoffs and having that shot in the playoffs. There's always a chance as long as you can get in. No doubt about it. And so the next topic I want to talk to you about is Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals. And so he's kind of cut in that Sean McVay coaching tree as being a bright offensive mind. And so with this being Taylor's third year, I want to get your thoughts on where you think Taylor's made the biggest jump from year one to when he first took over the gig with the Bengals to now. Yeah, I really think it's the talent that he has that he's working with now. You know, he, he started out with some veteran players, um, and, and I guess, you know, they, they didn't really buy into a system because they're, you know, they're, they're already there. They kind of have, they're running their own show, and, and, and but now he's, he's drafted some some very talented players, uh, and his aggressive play calling is, is just what these guys desire to make themselves great. You know, and he, he pushes them, and he believes that they can be great. So I, I think it's really that, that his attitude and 
and his approach with these these young guys that he's got, you know, opposed to those those veterans that he started with, that's the biggest thing that, that I can see. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And 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 I want to and I want to piggyback off that for a second. And with me being a Falcons fan, I want to kind of I want to kind of mention this too. Our new coach Arthur Smith is an offensive minded head coach, and I just want to get your overall thoughts as like in the, as a fan of the NFL in general. And so, Jason, in your opinion, are we seeing more offensive minded coaches? Um, become head coaches in the NFL? I think we are. You know, the especially with the the, the talent in the the quarterback and wide receiver position nowadays. Um, you get these offensive minded coaches. Now, nothing against the defense. The defense, you know, always defense wins championships. Um, but and you have to have a good defense. But these offensive minded coaches, the way that they can uh, just mold these young players into what they want them to be, it, it's amazing. You know, and, and I see I see many more coming. And so the next topic I want to talk to you about and it's keeping with the offensive theme and I want to talk to you about Joe Burrow. Joe Cool, you know, however you want to call it. So Joe Burrow has been the talk of the NFL and and has been nothing but a star. I mean, you saw when he did against your Mississippi State Bulldogs when he was at LSU. And so now watching with the Bengals, I just want to get your thoughts on Burrow and, and, and so what makes him so good in your opinion, Jason? Yeah, Joe Burrow. He, he, is, he is extremely talented. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, watching him play against us at, uh, and when he was at LSU uh, against Mississippi State. And in 2019, I mean, he just obliterated us on his way to the national title. I mean, he had like 300-something yards passing, four touchdowns. I mean, they, they killed us that year. You know, and then he, he, he just continued that, you know, through through the rest of that year. Uh, I mean, he started out uh, great last year and then had the knee injury, but just picked right back up when he where he left off when he when he came back from that knee injury. And he, you know, he's, he's just got some kind of special talent, you know. And, and I know you've heard it before, but but there's there's a definite resemblance to Tom Brady in his gameplay. You know, he sure he, he's going to make a few mistakes here and there, but but he can pick a defense apart in a heartbeat if he has a chance. Uh, you know, he can. He he commands the team, and he's gained that team's respect, you know, from, from all the players on that team in just year two. I mean, remember, he is just in his second year, and he only played a few games his first year. You know, they, they see him as a, as a leader, and as he goes, that team goes. It really is crazy to see that, to see a guy that young have that much poise and that much maturity. And, and you were talking about that year in 2019. Jason, I was at the SEC Championship when I saw what Joe Burrow did against my Georgia Bulldogs. And, I and like, Georgia had a really good defense in 2019. But I have never seen a quarterback do what Burrow did in college and in college for LSU in 2019. And then seeing what he's done with the Bengals now, like, it, I don't know if it's moxie or if it's just like insane poise and maturity, but Burrow's got the it factor. And as a fan of the Bengals, I know you guys have been starving for a franchise guy and it looks like you finally got that guy in Joe Burrow. That's right. You are absolutely right. He, he is it. You know, he like you said, he's got that hit factor. We've needed him. We've been looking for him for a while. He, he really does. The other thing that I like about Burrow, and I think it was earlier this week, Burrow was doing an interview, and he was talking to, and he was talking about, you know, the next generation of young athletes, and was telling him, you know, instead of going on social media and talking about your workouts, my advice would be to work out in silence, and and so you're not blowing people up on your phone, and you're just working out by yourself, just focusing on your game. And when I read that, I thought, Joe Burrow, you're like, like that's incredibly mature. 
sure. Especially for a guy that young to say that. I, I, I was just blown away by that. And every soundbite Joe Burrow has said, um, you know, talking about the Super Bowl and uh, and if he's nervous and everything. And Joe Burrow was like, uh, you know, I, I played in the National Championship. I played in big games in high school. I'm not too nervous about this. And when I heard that, I was like, I got to give props to him. Like the poise and the maturity out of that kid is just unbelievable. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He is he is super mature for, for his age. I know he's 25, you know, and, and a lot of times you see quarterbacks come in the league at, at 21 or 22. And he, he's in his second year at 25 years old. But man, he is super mature for a 25-year-old. He, he really is. And and so now, Jason, we're going to talk about the guys catching catching passes from Joe Burrow. So the Bengals have had a lot of offensive talent through the years. And you think about great Bengal teams in the past. You think of like Chad Ochocinco and TJ Zada and, you know, Cedric Benson and guys like that on that offense. And then you think about what they have now with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, CJ Uzama. And so what makes this group of Bengals backs and receivers group so much more talented than Bengal skill guys in the past? Yeah, I I have not seen this much talent on one Bengals roster in, in a long time, you know. And, and you said I'm a diehard fan. I've, I've been a Bengals fan for 33 years since, since I was 12 years old. That's the last time they made the Super Bowl in, in 1989. And the talent on this team is unreal. You know, in, in the past, you may have had one or two playmakers, but not five or six like we've got on this roster right now. You know, these, these guys, and these guys feed off of each other. You know, they, they don't play selfishly. If you try to, if you try to double chase, you know, Higgins is going to be open. You know, you've got Boyd in the slot. You've got Ozama on the end. That You know, they're all, you're, you've got options all over the field. And, and as long as Burrow has time to find them, they'll eat you alive. You know, that, and, and, if, and then when you play the pass, here comes Mixon, and he's going to make you regret it if you're playing the pass. So, you know, like, like I said, there's several, several of unselfish player, playmakers on this team that, that want the team to do well. You know, they're, they're not fighting for themselves. They're fighting for the team, and they're, they're not fighting over who gets the ball. Absolutely. And, and I want to get your thoughts on, on the guys protecting Joe Burrow, and that's the Bengals' offensive line. And so, they, and so they've been getting a bad rap, you know, throughout the playoffs. I mean, think about the divisional round against the Tennessee Titans and how they gave up nine sacks. Then you think about what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs and they only gave up two sacks. And so I want to get your thoughts on the Bengals offensive line. And so it was the biggest key in this game, the Bengals offensive line's ability to stop Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and all those insanely talented guys on the Rams defense. I'll tell you right now, Joe, I, I absolutely hate talking about the Bengals offensive line because in my opinion, they are dreadful. Um, You know, and I'll be honest, I was I was not happy when uh, the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. I was praying for some offensive line help to protect Joe Burrow. You know, just because in the few games he played last year, the the number of sacks that he uh, that the number of times he was sacked, and, and then um, you know he needed some help to protect him. So, but but even though Burrow has been sacked more than any QB this year, you know I'll I'll say I was wrong about uh, the whole Jamar Chase Penny Sewell thing because Chase has turned out to be a phenomenal pick for the Bengals. So, but back on the O-line, I, I honestly don't think that they're the biggest key to beating the Rams on Sunday. You know, it, Burrow's proven time and time again that he can play well even under intense pressure. And and even, like you said, in the in the Titans game, he was sacked nine times, but yet they came back and won that game. Um, so I think the, the, the key to the game is not going to be the offensive line, but it's going to be the defense. Well, and, and that's a really good segue. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the defense. And, and so the Bengals' defense has been making big play after big play, you know, throughout the postseason. And so what's the biggest key for this Bengals defense when they're facing such a potent offense of the LA Rams? Yeah, so the Rams have, have a couple weapons, you know, and, and everybody knows
knows the biggest one is Cooper Cup. So I, I think the the main key to the Bengals uh, defense is they have to contain Cooper Cup and they have to get pressure on Matthew Stafford. Uh, if, if they can do that, it will be very hard for the Rams to hang with the Bengals. I think so. So if you're able to, and, and you know, and you know this from from watching Stafford play with the Lions and and even a little bit this year, if you if you're able to rattle Stafford and put some pressure on him, he's going to make some mistakes. So he, he's proven that time again. So pressure on Stafford, don't let Cup beat you, and a couple of big takeaways, those are going to be the biggest keys to this defense leading the Bengals to a victory on Sunday night, I think. I like it. I like it. And so the final topic we have, Jason, I want to get your thoughts on your rookie sensation kicker, Mr. Evan McPherson. And he's arguably been the most clutch kicker. He has arguably been the most clutch kicker this postseason in the NFL. And so and so being the diehard big fan that you are you know during the regular season and and so was there a moment early in the year that you were like hey it looks like we have something in this Evan McPherson yeah money Mac so let, let's go back and talk about draft picks again right so so draft picks that I was not happy about who who drafts a kicker nowadays and, and especially in the fifth round of the NFL draft so if you if you ask my wife and and she'll she'll tell you she will tell you how mad I was on draft weekend. So again, just like Chase, I was wrong. So this this kid is money. That's why they call him money back. And, and I'm sure he'll have a chance to show it in the Super Bowl. But but if I look back to a single kick this year, probably look back to week four against the Jaguars. And, and I know you, I say the Jaguars, yeah. They hadn't won a game yet. Nobody expected them to win even the three games that they won all year. But they were playing awesome that, that day. And they were actually up on the Bengals 14 to nothing and a half. And, and one of the reasons that they were up on the Bengals, uh, and the Bengals were scoreless was because McPherson missed a 43-yard field goal in the first quarter. Um, and, but what he did later in that game is what won me over. You know, he, he came in with a score tied at 21, four seconds left on the clock. He didn't get rattled. He wasn't all scared because he missed his previous uh, kick, and he nailed that 35. It was only 35 yards, but he nailed that 35-yarder that was a game winner as time expired. You know, from that time on, he was he has been my kicker. You know, and and his performance so far in the postseason oh man he he's proven why you draft a kicker no no doubt about it i mean i mean it really is crazy to think the Bengals used used to pick on mcpherson but hey i guess the Bengals brass it looks like they really did their homework and knew something that we didn't you know what i mean you're absolutely right. The Bengals, the Bengals knew something about a couple of players, so they they've definitely done some homework. Well, and Jason, before I let you go, I just want I just want to say a couple of things. I hope you're doing the icky shuffle a ton <laughs> on Sunday night, and I hope that your Bengals get it done for you, man. I I hope they do. I really hope they do. Well, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it, man. I've I've been waiting for this for a long time, so I I, I really hope I'm icky shuffling myself. You know, I may I may even bike a football right through the TV. You never know what's going to happen. And you know, CJ Osama said today, if if the Bengals win, he's gonna take a bath in uh, in Chile, you know, in Cincinnati style Chile. So Ooh. I'm not saying I'm gonna do that, but you never know what'll happen. You heard it here, folks. Well, Jason, we may have to have you on again and have you and have you tell us about your Super Bowl celebration and just kind of all the partying that you'll be getting into if the Bengals are able to get this done for you on Sunday. All right, man, sounds good. That sounds good, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck to your Bengals. And I appreciate the insight and the perspective, my friend. All 
right. Thank you, Joe. All Always right. great to be on. Well, that was a really good interview we did with our man, Jason Koberger, talking all things Cincinnati Bengals. And again, I am I would love to see his Bengals get it done for him. Jason has been a long-suffering Bengals fan, and I, I really would like to see them get it done. But then I think about it, too, from, from the Georgia perspective. Now, I know the Bengals ha- have ex-Georgia Bulldog Trey Hill, and I hope that he does really well on Sunday. And then you got Matt Stafford, the ex-Georgia Bulldog. Hopefully he does well on Sunday, too. And Sony Michelle. Oh, yeah, and also Leonard Floyd. Wow, I t- almost forgot Leonard Floyd. And so I do have this stat here that I want to drop as far as Georgia Bulldogs. There have been 21 straight Super Bowls with Georgia Bulldogs in them. So shout out to my alma mater, the University of Georgia, for getting guys in the league, for guys going to good teams, for guys playing well, and for guys repping the G in the NFL. So I'm all about that. So best of luck to all the Georgia Bulldogs. And I hope, and I hope our guy Jason Koberger has a Sunday he will never forget on Sunday night. And so before we get on out of here, guys, I want to tell you guys about FanFrostSeasons.com, our website. So there you can check out our merchandise store where we've got sweatshirts, t-shirts, and hoodies. And you can also check out the, you can also check out the bio, kind of how our podcast came to be with RG3 and myself. There's a sweet picture of us chilling with our man Chip Carey and Joe Simpson. That was a really fun experience. Um, no doubt about it. And you can also go to our Listen Now tab where you can listen to episodes where this episode will be later on this evening. And so it'll get you guys all set for some Atlanta Hawks basketball coming up this weekend and Super Sunday Bengals perspective style with our man Jason Koberger. So, so and so that's the good of FanForAllSeasons.com. We've got one last thing to do and it is time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue. Authentic original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at GeorgiaSmoke.com. So for myself, Jim and Joe, this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. I'm going to talk to you guys next week. See ya. Enjoy the Super Bowl.